Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Hi, I'm Gareth, a composer for TV and an audio producer for podcasts like this. Like many others, I was lucky enough to have a positive music education. I'm extremely grateful that all that support led me to what I do today. For me, the music room was that place growing up where all the musos gathered like moths to a flame, a place to be with other creative-minded people. So let's go back there and spend some time in gratitude for all the people who've helped us get started. Welcome to the music room. This week in the music room. I was sort of how it all then happened because then he knew the record company and my, and my you know, soon-to-be manager. And so it was all from just knocking on that door, yeah. basically. Being brave enough to step a little bit out of my comfort zone. Fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the music room, the place where you can be yourself, whether you're a composer, songwriter, musician, or if you just love music and want to find out more about your favourite musos. I'm Gareth Davis, a composer for TV and an audio producer for shows like this, and I'm so grateful to all of my guests for chatting with me about their formative years, for leaving advice and items in the music room for others to find, to the music room community that continues to grow. You know, it just goes to show if you concentrate on the positives of the music industry, that sense of community and friendship, that good things can happen. I'm seeing collaborations happening within the Music Room community because it's there, and that gives me a real sense of satisfaction. Come and join us in the private Facebook group if you're a composer, songwriter, or musician. You'd be most welcome. The link is in the show notes. Right, music stories. When I research guests for this show, I tend to go down the rabbit hole a bit. I spend time with these people, I buy their stuff, I listen to their music, watch their shows. So I thought it would be nice to check in every so often by including news stories for previous guests in this section of the show. Let's see what we have today. Charlotte Haverly is to rejoin Ash for the 21st anniversary of Free All Angels. Great album. There'll be three special UK live dates in Manchester, Birmingham and London and tickets are on sale right now. Daisy Cool and Nanisa Desai are on the Music and Sound Awards judging panel for 2022. The awards covers composition, sound, sync, production music and re-record categories across games, ads, film, TV and trailers. You can find out more from masawards.com. And if you hear of any exciting news stories for any of my guests, you can send them to hello at thesoundboutique.com. Right, last week I asked the Music Room community group on Facebook a big question. What organisations have been helpful to you on your music path? This was James Waymont's reply. My local county youth music service provided a decent variety of performance opportunities when I was starting to get more involved in the music scene. It's pretty much obsolete now, though, due to a lack of funding in the arts, which is a great shame. Also, indirectly, the resources available from the MU, PRS and the Ivers Academy have helped a fair bit, either through their free resources or the events workshops and talks they put on. It's been mostly on the business side of things that I've got the most out of. My music education didn't really go into great detail about the music business elements, so that's been useful to get a greater understanding of that area. Thanks for that, James. It's a really good point you make there, that when you're entering the music business professionally, you also have to become proficient in business. 
which to me is sort of counterintuitive with the creative brain. We want to spend our time creating, right? It's a shame that business skills generally aren't just mandatory in schools, but for sure, check out those organisations that James mentioned. They're the big ones. While still at school, Daisy Shute signed to Universal Decker as one quarter and lead vocalist of multi-platinum selling band All Angels. That was back in 2006. Nowadays, Daisy is described as an American Scottish folk singer and songwriter. A banjo-wielding multi-instrumentalist, her musical roots are born out of her transatlantic heritage and she writes award-winning intelligent songs with stories, performing them with spine-tingling vocals and intricate instrumentation. I'm so pleased to welcome Daisy Shute to the music room. Let's hear what she has to say. Daisy Shute, singer-songwriter, welcome to the music room. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. I see a mug. What are you drinking today? Oh, I'm drinking coffee. Ah, marvellous. Yeah. Creative juice. <laughs> Creative juice, yes. It's the uh, the musician's friend, isn't it, coffee? Yes. <laughs> a lot of the time. I saw on your Instagram that you are playing Glastonbury this year. Yeah. It's been a tough couple of years for performers everywhere, isn't it? So what's it feel like to be back? Oh, it's been good to, to be back a bit. And obviously, you know, we, we missed things like big gatherings like Glastonbury and those kinds of big festivals where, you know, we have a sheer volume of people, of course, throughout the various couple of years of, of gigs and kind of doing socially distanced things. We, we've been returning in, in small ways, but to actually have that size of event be possible is kind of amazing now. So, and definitely something I've missed. I feel like I haven't really stopped, to be honest. I've sort of kept going even if it hasn't been in the same way as before, you know, I've kind of kept going with, with live streams anyway. So very different, of course, to doing gigs, um, but, you know, still kind of keeping performing and doing music in some form, even if it's not in the same way as before. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm very much missed festivals and the whole sort of social aspect of the music world as well. Yeah. You mentioned in other interviews and things that you like to be busy. Mm. So lockdown yeah. didn't really stop that for you at all. No, I, I just sort of busied myself with other yeah. things, I guess. Um, I think that's probably why I, I mean, that, that desire to be busy, I sort of, why I guess I've picked up different instruments and different genres, okay. if you like, and I think kind of constantly lo looking for stimulation and challenges, you know. Yeah. And that way it kind of, you know, I, I'm very happy kind of left to my own devices and I can entertain myself pretty much, you know. And so, in fact, it was a bit of a relief to have a bit of time to, to be able to, to do it's, stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost... <laughs> It comes with a guilty feeling, that, doesn't it? Mm. You know, for a lot of people, the lockdowns were really well, welcome. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but... Yeah. Yeah. A kind of forced and guilt-free time to just, you know, be and, and to do and to kind of maybe revisit things that you might maybe have left alone for a while because mm. you just got busy and life got in the way and you had to think about the next gig and the next bill and everything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, which of course didn't go away in the sense that we still had bills to pay but it was a kind of it was nice to be at home for such a long stretch as somebody who's always on the go you know and i suppose in a way good to be forced to explore a different way of doing things yeah absolutely. Uh, because uh, i suppose you wouldn't necessarily choose to do a live stream if you love gigging and and things like that yeah um, absolutely yeah. so if guy garvey says you have a beautiful voice that's a pretty big compliment, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, especially if you're a Guy Garvey fan, yeah. <laughs> you like Elbow, like I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, no I, I, um, he, he actually, um, he, he does, I don't know if you know this, but he writes music for TV shows as well. So he's written a few, yeah. Does he? That, that's, how, that's how I know him, because I was singing on some of the soundtracks that he's been writing. 
Well, yeah. I've probably heard you on telly then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, oh, no, he did. What was the, um, was it a, f- was it called Friends? I have to actually double check About the, the names About the group of, of people are. living in, in that big flat. Oh, I can't oh. remember. Anyway. Well, you mean Friends, like the, the, the American sitcom? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like you just described that That there. definitely wasn't Guy Garvey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I yeah, he's, he's done a few. No, yeah, no, and I probably should know the names of them um, more like quickly than I am at the moment. But um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's done a couple, and I, I you know, they're for Apple TV mostly. Ah, um, right. And uh, and so yeah, so I sang on on some of the soundtracks, which is how yeah, he heard me really. So that'll be it. more recently, I suppose. Yeah, slightly more yeah. recently. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I've been listening to your music, oh, and you. uh, a, a wonderful catalogue of music there. There's a YouTube channel of yours which. You can just go and explore all your lovely videos that you've done. Absolutely brilliant. Thank and with you. your latest single, Lion Eyes, mm-hmm. uh, which has been going around my head all week, thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and to an extent, London's on fire, tracks mm-hmm. like that. You seem to have embraced a more expansive sound. Mm. Oh, to, yeah, to thanks. Previously. Absolutely. Um, was that kind of an idea at the production stage or, you know, how did that happen? Mm. Well, I think that... Um, sort of led by the songs really led by what mm. sort of serves the songs best and also by collaboration so you know some of the songs that I released on my own have been yeah just that sort of not me really collaborating as much with people who have production skills that um so you know I kind of kept it quite stripped back and and sort of quite acoustic for the songs of solace which I recorded during lockdown as a kind of intimate concept EP so yeah that that's kind of by comparison, yeah, Lion Eyes and London's Fire—they're quite big productions, and that's because of Tim Baxter, who is the the producer on those and right. co-writer with me. So, yeah. so we've kind of gone for a bigger sound world for those because also the songs, yeah, that that kind of they it lends itself better to those songs and the kind of themes we're talking about. So they kind of yeah have a little bit more. Not sure how to describe it, but a bit, bit more going on that you probably can't necessarily detect, you know, on first listen or yes. whatever. But you know, things I going know on, what you mean. lots of layering. You've got some rhythms going on in there. I still haven't figured out. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, but really good. I mean, you go through another listen and you think, oh, I didn't notice that last time. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, yeah. It's always nice to hear. And they're belters, so yeah, kitchen. They're fun it. to do live, to be honest. Yeah, you can yeah. get get really big with them. <laughs> but you've you've done versions of lion eyes which are stripped back as well mm-hmm. yeah i mean it it does work as a song yeah no matter how you play it oh thank you so yeah i think it's a uh, thing it's great That's go and listen to it folks yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> out you. now uh fantastic it always interests me daisy when people are drawn to a particular genre mm-hmm. was there a light bulb moment for you when you thought i found my tribe what's your story with the the kind of folk side of things yeah, I guess oh, it's interesting. I, I, you know, well, I started off very young in the industry, and my first ever gig was when I was nine years old. So, <clears throat> but very different. Yeah, we're going to talk yeah, about that later. Anyway, on, but, we're going to come on yeah, to yeah. that. But yeah, but um, but so I started off doing musical theatre and jazz and classical music were the kind of things I did as a kid, anyway, and and eventually um, landed on folk. That was my kind of personal exploration that led to that, really, more mm. than anything else, because the music I'd been exposed to at school or at home was very much more in jazz Americana, not, not sorry, American, American songbook at uh, jazz right. and, um, you know, and classical music. And then I kind of, upon my own little expeditions, listening to music, I stumbled upon folk music and singer songwriters from the sixties and seventies, like Joni Mitchell and Simon and Garfunkel and those kinds of people. 
and that's where I sort of felt most connected um, to the songs and the music I was listening to. And so I sort of, you know, I was, I was learning classical guitar and learning classical piano and doing lots of jazz stuff, but didn't really have any abilities yet really in the folk world. And so I kind of self-taught on those, you know, instruments. But growing up in Scotland, music is a big part of Scottish culture. Right. And so, you know, I would still be very much exposed to that too. And, you know, every year for Burns nights, and <laughs> Burns songs. And, and then we had different workshops at schools where we'd have folk, trad folk musicians coming in and teaching us and wow. doing little kind of summer courses in, in different so I wasn't it wasn't I, I was definitely exposed to folk music in that way yeah yeah um, but it was mostly doing classical and jazz at school and then I don't know with the songwriting it kind of came very it, I was songwriting from a young age but I, I didn't really kind of have confidence in it yet until I was older and well tell you what let's hold that thought yeah because mm-hmm. uh, I want to hear the whole story not part of it okay so sure, sure, sure. if you're ready let's go back in time okay let's go back in time yeah So here we are, back in time. Daisy, what are your earliest memories of music? Oh, earliest memories. I suppose I remember... Oh, okay. My my earliest memories probably somewhere are are when I was in my mother's womb. Wow. I think you've won a prize there for the earliest memory. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean my my kind of conscious memory, but apparently she, she was... When she was pregnant with me, she actually decided to learn jazz piano. And apparently when she gave birth to me and, you know, in the years following, I kind of somehow knew these songs that she'd been learning on the piano. And so like, I'd, I'd be singing along with her and she would play these jazz songs. And she kind of didn't really understand how that was possible. But she just figured maybe because I'd just been so exposed <laughs> from That's incredible. That, that early stage that I kind of just had an instinct from it from, from before birth. So, <laughs> just probably, as you say, a new one. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just scooping my jaw off the floor. That's amazing <laughs> that you were singing yeah. along. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember that specifically, but I think that she was just kind of amazed that I knew it without kind of being instructed on anything, mm. you know, I kind of, but anyway. So that's sort of, I guess, my earliest, somehow my earliest exposure and kind of, you know, instinct for music that came from, from that time. And then first time kind of, I do remember, you know, being asked to sing for family events and things, and I would always be like very shy about it. And You mentioned Burns Night. Was, was yeah. that a time when you'd get wheeled out to sing songs and things? <laughs> yeah, I think that kind of happened later on, actually, because, well, so my mum's American, actually, and my, and my dad is, is Celtic, but um, grew up in England. So he I, we didn't actually celebrate Burns as a family so much. It was more at school and, and the kind of friends oh, that I you. started celebrating Burns Nights with. It would be just more like, you know, parties and whatever else, you know, and I'd be kind of wheeled out to, to do something. And I, I kind of remember just being very shy about it at first and insisting everybody could like close their eyes or, you know, so I didn't feel like everyone's eyes on me. So, yeah, I do remember that. But then I kind of remember also having another side that where I was a bit of a kind of performer and I would, I would often, uh, so when we'd visit my grandparents who lived in Gloucestershire, they had a piano that we then later inherited, which then became, you know, the instrument I'd learnt piano on and, you know, it was a real beautiful instrument. And, um, but they mostly used it as a kind of mantelpiece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but when we came to visit, we would, um, we'd play on it. And I, as you know, as a kid, I used to strip off completely and uh, just perform <laughs> naked, not knowing anything about the instrument, but I just, I liked to 
exhibit myself clearly from <laughs> okay. a young age. So there was like a, two different sides to me. There's the other side that was quite shy when kind of being put in a on the spotlight, but then the other side that was quite expressive and exhibitionist like. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> By the way, I was very, very young at this point when I was naked and playing the piano. I was, I was, say, I was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, pre four, three, you know, age two, three, four, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it seems to me like there's some kind of inevitability to your being involved in music. <laughs> yeah. From that, you know, the the very early joining in with your mum on the piano and yeah. stuff like that. Did you have lessons at school for instruments or? vocal yeah. lessons or anything I started on piano and guitar quite young sort of maybe about age eight or nine started kind of very casually and I, I remember uh, that I was always told oh don't do singing lessons too soon because they say it's better to do it later and all this stuff so I would sing in choir but I wasn't given singing lessons until I was about 12 13 um, and uh, yeah <clears throat> I remember uh, you know it, it was playing piano and guitar but I I clearly already wanted to play more instruments because I remember asking to learn to play the violin, but being told I had too many instruments as it was, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to, to pick up another one. But yeah, for so early, early days, you know, school was very encouraging, and and I, I'm very grateful to even having those opportunities because I know a lot of schools don't even offer that. So yeah, it was a very we had a great music director at the first school that I was really at, and um, and we would do lots of concerts and learn lots of great old songs that definitely made a big impact on me growing up and uh and then I, I I auditioned for music school and to be a chorister when I was 11 so in in Scotland oh. St Mary's music school and so then <clears throat> when I got into that I did a couple of years of singing as a chorister which was pretty hard slog I don't know if you know any any choristers but I've spoken to the odd chorister here and there and yes it's quite a, a disciplined kind of thing to do isn't it Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I mean, six services a week um, on top of school, well, so you know, so two on a Sunday, and we'd have Wednesday and Saturday off. No, was it Monday and Saturday off? Yeah. So we we would yeah, it was quite a, a hard slog, and we would you know before going to school, we'd go in and do our choir rehearsal at seven a.m. Um, before going and then doing our our day of work at school, and then afterwards doing an even song, and then and sometimes you know, doing choir tours and and recordings and this kind of thing. So. And it was just brilliant for like musicianship in general, you know, for learning to sight read and perform under a lot of pressure, basically, because you wouldn't have necessarily practiced the, the pieces you're singing a lot before you then go and sort of technically perform them in a service. And so, um, yeah, that was really good kind of grounding. So I, I did that from 11, 12, 13 kind of time. And then later went to Purcell School of Music in, in Hertfordshire, right. which, um, okay. uh, so yeah, I sort of, I, by that point, I was definitely pretty sure that music was was the yeah. thing for me. <laughs> and this kind of, uh, I was interested at the start about how a folk musician mm. starts out in something like All Angels. Now it's making a lot more sense. <laughs> right, because yeah, I, I was really more of a classical musician and jazz musician yeah. before I was a folk musician. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I was always really a folk musician, but kind of didn't really uh, give it any oxygen until later. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it, isn't it? Giving it some oxygen. Yeah. yeah. Allowing it in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. So uh, you're at Purcell School of Music. <laughs> How did the whole All, All Angels thing come about? What was, I, I just can't kind of 
put my finger in the air and think, how, how does that come about? I mean, yeah. do, the, do A&R come to your school or is there well, a yeah, connection they, with the school? Or? I mean, it wasn't actually with the school. Um, ironically, they didn't actually look at music schools. They did look at schools, but they, for some reason, didn't go to the specialist music schools. The other girls, this, this is a f- just to kind of anybody who listening who doesn't isn't aware of this. So All Angels is, was a classical crossover group that I was part of, a vocal quartet, so four singers. Mm. Um, so we were put together. We didn't know each other before. Oh, and um, they, they did audition girls around the country and they went to schools to do that. But for me, it was, they'd already found the three girls, the first three girls, and they were looking for the fourth. And I had... Um, yeah, it was a weird one. Basically, I, I so before this, I had actually recorded a, and released a jazz album, as you do, <laughs> at the age of uh, fifteen. And Hang so I on had, a minute. Yeah, we skipped a bit. Let's but... Back up a bit. <laughs> yeah, a so, jazz album. Well, yeah. How old were you when you released a jazz album? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. yeah. And was that just part of being at the school you were at, or was it completely separate? It was sort of separate. It was really led by the fact that I had, you know outside of the school I'd, I'd been starting to go to jazz clubs and watch people and then start right. going to the open mics and, and sing met some musicians got invited to do a few showcases in the Edinburgh Fringe and, and the year I was doing a, an Edinburgh Fringe kind of run I also did a, a master class with actually with two master classes one with Barbara Morrison um, amazing American jazz singer and one with Mark Murphy another amazing American jazz singer and they both basically encouraged me to record and to, you know, make wow. an album. And so did my mum, who's also American. I think it's maybe quite yeah. an American thing to kind of just, you know, go for it, you know, which is uh, something that I probably wouldn't have done had I not had that I'm just going to put that piece of advice. I'm going to put a pin in it and just leave <laughs> <Yeah>. it there. <laughs> <laughs> just go yeah. for it, exactly. And so, well, yeah, so then I recorded this album, of basically the set that we were doing at the Fringe show. And we literally did it in a day in my parents' dining room wow. <laughs> with my, my grandfather's piano, you know. And I, mean, I did a little pick-up afterwards with some vocals, but I, I sang a lot of it live with the band um, just in a cupboard next to the, the, the dining room. And then, yeah, put it out. And, and so that album then became quite a nice kind of calling card in a way. And um, my my clever mum decided to pack me, pack my suitcase when I went down to London with some of these CDs and my old school actually was invited to play at the, the BBC proms, uh, school proms in the Albert Hall. And so when we went out to perform, I had these CDs in my bag. And uh, of course, being an embarrassed teenager, I decided, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give this to anybody, you know, of course not. But then I kind of I decided actually, no, I'm gonna, this is another bit of advice probably uh-huh. <laughs> to, 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 to take home because I'd, had I not decided to just go for it, then it, none of the rest would happen. But um, so I had these CDs and, um, and I remember just sort of pacing back and forth from the, you know, outside the dressing room doors of the people who were, who were presenting at the Albert Hall gig and uh, just desperately hoping none of my my friends from school were going to catch me doing this very embarrassing thing <laughs> um, and managed to, you know, knock on, on the, each of the dressing room doors of the, each of the presenters. And so gave the, my CD to um, Richard Stilgo, who you might know is a okay. famous yeah. lyricist of musical theatre. And his son is Joe Stilgo, a brilliant jazz artist. Also gave it to Howard Goodall. And so Howard Goodall was the one who ended up, who's an amazing composer and presenter. He ended up being the reason why I then got signed to the, the group wow. and to the record company. Because after go. hearing me, he he recommended me. And, and he, he actually hired me to sing some of his music. 
um, for various TV shows and his musical that he was demoing at the time, Love Story. So I, I did the kind of original demos for that, and you know, so fantastic. We um, that was sort of how it all then happened because then he knew the record company and my, and my, you know, soon to be manager, and so it was all from just knocking on that door, yeah. basically being brave enough to step a little bit out of my comfort zone. Fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what yeah. it's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah. And as certainly I can speak as a composer, you know, I'm in a, a room on my own, and it's where I spend right. the majority of my time. So it almost becomes a comfort blanket. It's very easy to, to not go out to networking events and mm-hmm. uh, things mm-hmm. like that. But it's so important, isn't it, to, to get out there and just Absolutely. meet people. Yeah, that's it. And so so much of when I think back to things that have happened, there's so much of just been sort of random random meetings that have led to that, which, of course, COVID did kind of take away. You know, like that was one thing yeah. that we kind of forgot that we didn't have. And I think anybody starting out in the, in the industry definitely would have suffered more from that because... You know, I sort of had people that were still giving me work because they knew of me before. And so they were calling me up and saying, can you record and whatever, you know, Mm. so that was helpful. But I mean, um, for people starting out, unless you get that first little introduction into that world, it's really hard to, to get there. And of course, you can do it with virtual events more so now than ever. But yeah, it's, it's something about the kind of randomness of and the casualness of a party that that kind of, yeah, it brings out those interactions and those, yeah, those contacts. So um yeah anyway yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant yeah quite quite right. I forget I forget the question now <laughs> lots of advice lots of advice here folks yeah. we were up to being put together oh yes with the other girls in all mm-hmm. angels yeah what happens then okay yeah so yeah, I so, suppose your your world just changes overnight oh yeah much. absolutely yeah and like didn't really understand exactly the the full extent to it, to which that would happen extend to you know i don't yeah. know i'm sorry bad, bad english <laughs> um but anyway it was the lower six at purcell school when i joined the, the music school and um and then that year was when i auditioned and then it was sort of all, all over through that summer between lower six and upper six so it all just happened as a whirlwind we, we, we auditioned i remember the audition was kind of funny like it was I think, as I said, by this point, they'd already found the three, so they were just looking for the fourth, and they think they were in a bit, bit more of a rush to do it. <laughs> but so I, I just, I remember doing this audition in um, the manager's house, and I remember he said, oh, bring two songs, you know, uh, one classical and one, like, non-classical. And so I brought um, a Vaughan Williams song, and then I brought, like, a jazz standard. And I remember Fly Me to the Moon, I think, or something like that. Oh, and, um, lovely. <laughs> and the... Um, uh, I didn't really anticipate that the keyboard that they had at the at the house was going to be like two octaves, and the poor piano player had to play Vaughan Williams, which usually spans about four or five octaves on this two <laughs> two octave keyboard. But sort of somehow still managed it. But I do remember during one of the songs, the manager's cat, for some reason or other, decided to be sick, and oh, so no. like throughout this song, this cat was retching in the corner. <laughs> Just like this very awkward, like, do I continue? I'm sorry, um, I shouldn't be laughing at that. No, no, I mean, well, it's kind of silly. And I mean, the cat's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, probably it was okay anyway. Um, but it was just a funny kind of like lots of things going wrong. But so I didn't think I did very well or anything. But but then they said, you know, after I finished singing, like, okay, so now that you're in the group, uh, we just need to talk to logistics. And I was like, oh, am I in the group? Okay, that was that was quick. So it was the manager and the A and R at the time. And I remember him taking down my email address and laughing at the fact that I'd uh, chosen Cocoa Pops as my email address. 
um, but you know, we were 16, so you know. Yeah. Um, then it all happened very quickly. A couple of weeks later, we all met, and then we were straight into rehearsals, and and then soon after in the recording studio, recording our, our first album and with an orchestra, and it was all just wow. And then then photo shoots, video shoots, all the kind of stuff. And we were told all along, you know, this happens all the time where we record an album but doesn't get released, so don't even don't don't expect it okay. to. It might not even do that, you know. So kind of low expectations, but then they decided to release it and they released it in September and I remember kind of going back to school and like everywhere on the on London Tube you could see our posters everywhere <laughs> and it was like this is very bizarre and then you know very shortly so the first week of release week we got to number nine in the pop charts um, and number two in the classical charts because Catherine wow. Jenkins at the time was, was yeah. releasing music as yeah. well so so yeah it was pretty big um, result we didn't expect and I, I don't think anyone did so then you know we kind of we're on a whirlwind sort of doing gigs and various TV appearances and, you know, that kind of thing. And then working on the next album and the next one. So we did three albums in total and all the way through we were all at school and then at university. And we were trying to juggle everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. But um, I do feel sorry for my teachers for the amount of times I had to fill out forms to try and get you know released for things you know but I, uh, some of them were more understanding than others <laughs> yeah, but yeah well in terms of your teachers and other people who might have you know motivated you inspired you can you pinpoint i mean clearly your your mother deserves credit oh, for yeah, playing jazz standards while she was pregnant with you i mean that's hard to beat really isn't it but the, were there <laughs> yeah. other people along the way who you thought that was a sliding doors moment for me and potentially i could have gone the other way but they really kind of inspired me to go Gosh. in a certain direction or carry on or um yeah i mean so many really i mean uh don't leave anyone out now <laughs> I'm, oh I'm joking i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> so i mean <clears throat> definitely yeah my parents were both amazing at kind of encouraging me in a bit but a lot of my friends were like you know being told that you know music is 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 a good hobby you know but not necessarily yeah. a profession you know like so i was mm. definitely not in that camp my mum had you know is a painter and artist so she was very respectful of the arts in general and not sort of dismissive um so yeah i kind of definitely had that encouragement but from the school level yeah lots of teachers were very encouraging of of the music side of things and 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 also the songwriting side i mean I, I, my first sort of music teacher at the school in scotland and um before the music school was very encouraging and oh, you know good. gave me you know lots of um encouragement and kind of nurturing and he had a radio show at the time in scotland and he got me in, on to, to be interviewed oh, at one point that's probably my first ever radio interview when i was about 10 or something wow. and he'd written a little script because you know I, I think he was just trying to make me feel better by having like a, something to, a prop basically but i remember like reading reading the script and then like at the end of the page there was a please turn over and i remember reading out loud by mistake <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> please turn over. <laughs> you've given it away um <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, um, but no, I mean, uh, so early encouragement from, so that was uh, Mr. Hutchinson, Kenny Hutchinson, and he was a very, you know, big supporter of music. And um, then, you know, the music schools, there, lots of different people encouraging me. I think I showed my first composition to my guitar teacher. It was like a Spanish guitar uh, composition that I'd written that I decided to call it Andalusia, you know. And it's uh, <laughs> very... <laughs> But he was very encouraging because he was also the composition teacher as well, one of the competitors. So he was very encouraging of that, and that was nice. And actually, funnily enough, that that little bit of music that I wrote has ended up in 
a project that I'm working on at the moment. Wow. Just as a as a kind of funny little twist of fate, but um, it's I'm writing a musical at the moment with um, with a few other people and. One of the other people who's involved, we were talking about our first ever guitar sort of songs we'd written, and we showed each other, and they kind of they kind of weirdly worked together. So we decided to use some of the music in in one of the songs and make it oh, into uh, into Full one circle. of the songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, and then you know, definitely my singing teacher. Sorry, I feel like I'm now like accepting an award and that yes, yeah, like listing every academy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but I, I do want to shout out to my singing teacher, Joan Busby, who's in Scotland. She was always like kind of a real anchor throughout my, she was the first singing teacher I went to and then, you know, stayed with me for a long time. And I would come up home to Scotland. I'd go and have a kind of catch up with her and, and I'd have other singing teachers in London and other places, but she was always like a really steady presence in my singing development and always very, just knew the the right things to say at different stages in my development. Just had a very gentle approach, uh, but very informative as well. She was very, um, you know, she she'd studied biology actually, so she was very very much about the kind of anatomy of singing, um, but also the imagination of singing. So she she has an amazing imagination that would definitely inspire me as a youngster, probably more than the the kind of and oh, now this is the diaphragm and all this stuff, you know. Yeah. So um, she was a real influence and also just from a kind of one of the bits of advice, I know this is skipping ahead, but she, she gave me some really good advice, um, but I'll, I'll save it for later. I'll save oh, it later. all right. Are you passing on <laughs> yeah. her advice? I'm passing on her advice. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get to it then. <laughs> so each of, each of my guests has been donating a, an item and a piece of advice into the music room for others to find. So what piece of advice would you like to leave in the music room? Well, I'm going to quote my, my teacher, Joan. As I said before, I, I went to her throughout my teenage years, and so she was sort of this anchor throughout this time where I was going from different genres and different schools and different locations, and, and all angels came about. And So I'd always go to her for advice and, and for singing catch-up lessons. You know, joining a girl band is um, is always a bit of a funny one. You know, teenage girls, you know, always going to have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of tension there as you're kind of working out, you know, your identity within that and, and you know, your hormones are changing and everything. And yes, and, and of course, the pressures of a big label deal, you know, being signed to a big record company and being exposed um, to lots of people and, you know, having photo shoots and this kind of thing. So you're going to have lots of tension potentially there. And actually, we, we did very well considering. So, <clears throat> we're, you know, we actually were very good friends and I still are to a certain extent. But one of the, there was a sort of bit of tension with the sort of who got, who got to sing the solos, you know. And uh, um. and so, we, I, you know, I remember just talking about this with my singing teacher, Joan. And I just remember by stark contrast to everything else that anybody had, was sort of telling me at the time, it, my teacher was, was saying, well, you know, there's room for everybody in the music world who wants to be there. Oh. And I just thought, oh, it just made me stop in my tracks and be like, wow, I've never heard somebody say that at this point because even though I I felt that way, you know, without having articulated it, like I, I never really felt like I wanted to grab all the solos or anything like that. Yeah. But I felt like there was that energy around and this this sort of I this sort of false idea that you had to sort of trample on people to get to the top and you had to mm. kinda like you know, scratch your way to, the, you know, all this kind of negative energy about competing with one another. And I just love that idea of knowing there's room for everybody. We don't have to fight over this. You know, we can, we can create room for everybody. Yeah. 
Um, and it was just a real shift for me that, that kind of made me, then just that went through my head anytime anything happened that was a bit like competition, you know. It would just remind me, you know, that there's room for everybody who wants to be here. That, and I hope that that's always the case, you know. And so that's definitely what I've taken into my adulthood and my collaborations that I've done since then. And my, you know, whenever I get an opportunity, I always, my first thought is how, how can I offer this to other people and, you know, include more people in this opportunity. I think well, one of the things I love most about music is that kind of community spirit and that yeah. social aspect of it as well. As I said, yeah. So. And it is a little bit counterintuitive, isn't it? I, I find this in the composed community where quite often you're actually pitching against each other, you know, yes. for, yeah. for things. But I thoroughly agree. I think it's an amazing advice because the sense of community that you can forge far outweighs any kind of competition. Yeah. Now, have you had time now to consider what item you would like to leave in the music room? Oh, I keep on thinking back to like you know like a pencil for some reason because I'm just thinking it's that tool of being able to to kind of write and create your own musical identity uh, or like you know lyrics or whatever it might be as much as I love playing discovering writing and being able to be the kind of composer of music was really exciting and empowering and to realize that you know that I had a voice there that that as in not just a singing voice but a, a sort of writing voice you know yeah there's something very simplistic about the pencil it suggests to me that there aren't any shortcuts you know mm. you can't be successful by buying equipment mm-hmm. that's not what it's about it's about the connection with the creativity isn't it and i, I, think, so. I think that's yeah. um a really good example of keeping it real is a really bad phrase to say but, no but totally yeah but it, it does yeah yeah i think so and i think it's also just you know finding your own identity within it you know of course as musicians growing up we're listening and absorbing everyone else's music and we're learning it and we're trying to learn as much technique as we can and that is a big part of it and I, I definitely credit a lot, a lot of you know where I am now with that, that whole journey but I suppose that just sort of finding my own kind of musical identity came from a kind of more from within from sort of mm. searching what I wanted to say and, and kind of feeling empowered to say something which I suppose is what I mean by pencil just because it's sort of instead of it being you know, a, a book with, with amazing music that we can learn from. It's sort of finding your own internal voice within within all, within all of that, which is the, the thing that it makes you unique. That's fantastic. I will put the item and the piece of advice in the music room for you for others to find. But for now, Daisy Shute, singer-songwriter, thank you for joining me in the music room. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.